Welcome to The Well. I am Brandon Edgens. And I'm Anson Mount. And Anson, you called this emergency session? <laughs> I yeah. did, but before we get to why, uh, I just wanted to catch up with you. How you been doing? Oh, I'm fine. I've uh, been pretty busy in a good way. I get to uh, been working on my own things, getting my hands back into some of the old special effects materials, which is always feels nice. Nice. I always enjoy an opportunity for that. And how about you? How's the how's the daddying going? It's going. I, it's amazing how fast it goes. I heard that people were telling me just, you know, you blink and you miss it. And I, I was just, I was at a convention this weekend. I was gone for three days and I came back and she had started crawling. I missed that. Uh, oh. She'd learned to sit up from her stomach position and she had grown a new tooth and i was like i was gone for three days <laughs> like, she already had been accepted to college the way you described it is almost a horror film you know it's like it's, it's it's changing every day it's getting stronger uh that's great but you're you're way over the 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 tiredness and all that sort of like that that foggy period right yeah, I, I I am I I am, however, still recovering from a bout of COVID that I had uh, several weeks ago. Uh, that's still the, the fatigue and is still with me. Um, I'm I'm hoping that I'm able to shake that soon. But yeah, uh, that stuff is no joke. Shoot, man, I'm sorry. I remember uh, y'all were here to um, uh, sort of a, sort of belated uh, baby shower to introduce Clover to everyone. And our roommate had just uh, contracted COVID. Right. I mean, like that on like the day before was tested positive. So uh, y'all were like, okay, out of an abundance of caution, just because y'all may have been exposed. I think it's better you set this one out. So we're like, okay, that sucks. It's too bad. And then y'all had COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Irony of ironies. Yeah. But it's also, like I said, you know, times during COVID, it's just like, it's just this weird, I'll stop. Whatever your plans were, everything just gets, you know, everything just gets, you know, um, guttered. I don't think that's a word, but I'm making it up. I'm coining it. So by way of introduction to this uh, episode, this segment, I uh, just wanted to remind listeners that this is a segment we called The Drop. It's not one of our normal episodes. It's just a really a chance for Brandon and I to check in with each each other about everything that we've been watching, hearing, seeing, reading, experiencing so that maybe you find stuff that you might like. Um, if you want to experience our regular episodes, uh, I would suggest, and you're just, just starting with this, I would suggest you go back to the beginning and start with episode one and work your way forward. Uh, but with that said, uh, yes, I did call an emergency session of the drop because there was a movie that I was determined that Brandon watch so that we could talk about it. Because my oh my. <laughs> <laughs> The movie, the event, we should call it, the international sensation, RRR. Oh, I just thought it was called an <laughs> It could be called that, too. It would, be, it would be quite fitting. Uh, for those of you who are not in the know, RRR is, to date, the most expensive Indian film ever made uh it is a product of what uh, we call bollywood uh it is 
a completely different film market and completely different film aesthetic than we have in the West. Uh, and just my elevator pitch from the top is if you took the X-Men and Rambo Megaforce <laughs> Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom and a dash of Ferris Bueller's Day Off and threw it all into a blender you would still not have a pale approximation of the glory that is <laughs> this movie is so off the chain I, I, I don't even know where to start what about you uh, no, that's pretty good. The approximation is pretty good. I was watching it. I my first thought was, oh, this is if John Woo directed WWF. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, I, I think I, I think what's what's cool about it is well, lots of lots is cool about it. I, I love the fact that it's just like unapologetic, un, unapologetically entertainment. And this is what I don't know. To some degree, you can make the argument this is really what movies do best. You know, right. uh, sort of dreaming with your eyes open, this complete absurdity um, and a sort of a no holds barred, you know, uh, commitment to the craziest ideas that it just fully commits to. And that's why I really <laughs> appreciate that. Like you can see where it's, some of the sequences are going, some of the big set pieces and you're like. What, what, and it keeps somehow topping itself and someone comes getting crazier as it sort of like it snowballs. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wow, they really aren't going to tap the brakes at all. They're just going to just. Uh, yeah, no, no, that, that's what I found myself thinking halfway through the movie. I was like, wow, there is no question mark in this movie <laughs> at all. It is all exclamation points, <laughs> you know, and uh, just just by way of background so that so you're filled in on what this movie is about very generally. Um it's it's based on two real life Indian revolutionaries in the 1920s during the English occupation. I'm going to butcher these names, so please bear with me: Aluri Sitarama Raju and Komaram Bahim. Uh, now they are uh, real life characters, uh, but the storyline is fictionalized. Because they're two revolutionaries that never knew each other, but the, the idea behind the film is what if they had be, been friends and influenced one another? Um, and it, it's, I, I've thought for a while, you, you, know, you can't really blame uh, India for being a little punchy about the English op- occupation, but, but my goodness, <laughs> there is a lot being worked out in this movie. Yeah, there's, I mean... I think the very when I first started watching it, on one hand, sort of being raised on you know Western uh, values of like verisimilitude and, and and realism and that kind of thing, the first depictions of the colonizers feels like whoa, well that's that's pretty heavy handed. You know, it feels like the, the mustachio twirling cartoon villain, but it's actually just. You know, the, the, everything in the movie is kind of treated that way. It's not like they're getting a special sort of schematic treatment. Uh, everything is ex- the contrast is turned up all the way on everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what occurred to me while watching it is I didn't you feel like at a certain point you're like, <sighs> 
wow, they're creating a kind of a superhero movie here. Oh yeah. Which I, I really dug not because it reminded me of our superhero movies, but, but because it, 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 it occurred to me that I almost prefer what they're doing in RRR to say the X-Men or, or justice league, because when we're watching those movies, the characters do some inhuman feat and we're told, Oh, that's because they have superpowers and you mm-hmm. don't. Right. And you go, Oh, okay. All right. They have superpowers. But in this one, they're, they're ostensibly, they're based on real people. And we've all had the experience where, you know, we're walking down the street and we're so angry about something. We feel like we could rip up the sidewalk with our bare hands. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we have had the sense that we, we are uh, so, so protective of a loved one that we would storm a palace with a herd of animals and <laughs> take everyone out. That's pretty specific. That was pretty specific. I haven't had that thought before. <laughs> well, you know, you know what I mean? And, and, and yeah, so these people, they're, they're just, they're characters who feel this stuff to such an extent that mm-hmm. they are able to do those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, and, and it's right from the get-go, the first scene, the first action scene where they're establishing one of the heroes who's working undercover as an English officer. And the, he's told to go and arrest someone in this crowd that's trying to storm the, the armory. He jumps over the fence and he literally kicks the ass of 1000 people. <laughs> I mean, literally, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't miss a beat of mm-hmm. that confrontation. He doesn't. He doesn't do some superhero hero thing we're used to and slam his fist against the ground and an earthquake knocks everybody over. No, he goes and he fights a thousand people, <laughs> <laughs> and he gets his man, and he yep. gets his man. <laughs> and so you're left. So from the very beginning. You're, the whole point of that scene that lasts forever is is you sitting there going, "Wow, this guy's determined." <laughs> right, 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 right. And then, and then even more so, then he gets passed over for the promotion, and he's uh, punching the bag. He's in the gym. He's working out, and he's just literally like screaming. It just there's like a full like ten seconds of him just screaming with rage and anger. You know, there's like this all this, and in that case, it's not a big set piece. It's just focusing on the actor and this like quaking like he's just about to combust right <laughs> how how exaggerated uh, and outward and demonstrative his rage is um and yeah like i said er- the contrast and everything is turned all the way up i think the 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 the, the set piece i was i was i was enjoying it but when we got to the flaming train set piece on the bridge that was the part where uh, I was like, okay, this is, yeah, to your, you didn't make this point earlier exactly, but there's this myth-making going on here. I mean, it's superheroes are a kind of myth. Gods are a kind of myth. But if you have cultural heroes, you build mythology around those. And that <laughs> the part where the two... <laughs> Where uh, with, with the two guys, you know, the, the, the one who's supposed to be hunting, he doesn't know that's who he's supposed to be hunting, um, see each other on the bridge. Or he sees the guy down on the shore and the other guy's up on right. the bridge. And then the little right. kid <laughs> is trapped, you know, on the little boat upside down and all this flame swirling around him. And they look at each other. 
and they do this like they make a couple of basic hand gestures, you know, like and they and they, and they nod right. like got it exactly. And then, and then what ensues is the most improbable sequence of events you can imagine, you know, but done in perfect coordination. So right. they like so, I got you. I understand through your nod. We are going to drive our motorcycles at each other fly off these conveniently placed ramps while we're tied to each other and as we you will grab the boy i'll grab the flag and as we pendulum towards each other you will throw me the flag i'll throw you the boy then as we pendulum out i will wrap the flag around me to protect myself from the fire while you throw the boy to safety and then when we fly back together and pendulum in again we will grab hands like brothers (laughs) (laughs) and then and then not only that when they fall down into the river, they don't swim away. No. Oh, that's right. They float down to the bottom of the river and they walk to shore. <laughs> no, but, but, but before they walk to shore, they walk at each other and like high five each other. Or something yeah, that's like right. That. That's right. Yeah. Oh, it's so good, man. I was just screaming with delight. Uh, and we also, before we go any further, we should mention these two actors who I got to say were fantastic yeah. in this movie. Uh, not only built like brick shit houses. Not only did they give great performances, they're also badass dancers, which I want to talk yes. about in a minute. But uh, so Kumaram Bahim is played by N.T. Rama Rao Jr. And Raju is played by Ram Charan Teja. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I apologize if I'm not. Um, but these guys just work so well off of each other. And obviously there's a tremendous amount of trust and camaraderie between these two actors because... They had so much fun. I mean, look, this is the point of the movie is that clearly they wanted this to be fun. It is fun. And you cannot help but have fun (laughs) watching this movie. And these guys are the center, the center of that. Yeah, I I, one quick note about the first I remember thinking, you know, we were watching it for the first time thinking like, ah, we're an hour into a Bollywood film and there's no music number. And, oh, yeah. and then finally, the one hour mark, they give you, to, as if to make up for that lacking, they give you Nacho Nacho. And that is just, that's amazing. That piece of, I loved that. You're talking about the, the, the dance the sequence wedding. at the, uh, it wasn't a wedding, it was a garden party. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Right, yeah, but yes, that, that was, that it was a dance off. Mm-hmm. First of all, between them and, and the white, the white jerk yeah, yeah. Who, who was trying to, to prove that he could dance. He could dance the flamenco. He could dance the swing and they couldn't really dance. So they showed him. And <laughs> then it was, it became a dance off between the two of them. And this is, this also gets back into what I love about Bollywood movies and how they have a different sense of, um, they're not, they're not burdened by realism. Mm-hmm. Like we are, and notice I'm not saying reality. There's no, there's nothing realistic about the X Men, say, right? But, but we do have a certain realism belaboring a lot of our storytelling mm-hmm. that they, you know, they don't have. So you're uh, suddenly a, a movie becomes a music video, and your leads are dancing in the garden, and suddenly they're dancing on the balcony, and then they're dancing on horses, and they're dancing over in it. Why? Because it looks awesome mm-hmm. and, and it's fun. <laughs> and because most importantly, film is an incredibly powerful medium for visual metaphor. Why restrict yourself to, to physics and to all these, you know, cause, you know, realities and continuity and continuity issues and things like that. Like 
the audience doesn't care, you know, and, and in a way, when I think about like sort of, uh, I wouldn't call triple R fantastical filmmaking, uh, you know, not like X-Men, um, not like a, like a standard comic book movie, right. but it does, you know, definitely require more than a bit of a suspension of disbelief, but in a way it's really, really easy because you start right out of the gate with this exaggerated reality that you're not looking for verisimilitude anymore and you're fine with it you understand the audience gets it this is all metaphor this is all exaggerated language this is wwf these are everything is larger larger than life and as you were talking uh, uh about the way that we're burdened and the way the way that we handle unrealistic fare like the x-men or whatever i think of chris nolan who i love but he introduced kind of a um i can call it the nolanization of uh a fantasy and his philosophy is if i don't believe this could actually happen i'm not filming it like he goes through all this research and production design to arrive at a place where when he's on set he thinks that that's that's real that looks real that could really happen and that's cool but that's very different and he does feel and i liked your choice of the word burden it does kind of feel like he's dragging around a whole bunch of like physics <laughs> and uh, and literally with like he's literally trying to overcome like friction and uh, gravity and things like that. And but really trying to like honor, you know, uh, the natural laws <laughs> of physics. And it's so kind of it's so liberating. And that's that freeing fun feeling you get from something like Triple R. No. It's just we got we have bigger things to get to, more more story to tell. This is all metaphor. It just flies like a roller coaster. And I meant yeah, I mentioned earlier that these guys are fantastic dancers on top of everything else, but the choreography is mm-hmm. really worth mentioning here because I I just <laughs> it was so it, there's so many people involved in that number. And it went to so many places, and you it, you could see everybody having such a blast. Uh, it was it was it was a great sequence. I found myself wanting to jump up and scream at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I was going to mention this: like you would know more about this than the the layperson. I mean, you and you and I both do. But uh, the variety of shots in throughout the whole movie, really, not just the dance sequences. Yeah. There's an insane, I believe it's the most expensive Bollywood film ever. There's this insane amount of variety of shots. It almost never reuses a shot. And they all seem to be sort of purpose-built shots to convey one little thing, and then it's on to another really complicated shot, and on to another really complicated shot. And, uh, yeah, that kind of blew me away. I just, Part of me, I was vacillating every now and then. I was really enjoying the movie, but sometimes I was, you know... (laughs) feeling almost exhausted for everyone <laughs> that was making it. <laughs> yeah. Some of the choreography, I, some of the choreography was just stunning, especially those, those landscapes. I mean, they, they must have some of those shots, some of those scenes, they must have timed for exactly that hour uh, mm-hmm. because they're just perfect. I mean, they look like they're paintings. And uh, so we, sh- we should mention the cinematographer's name is K.K. Senthil Kumar. Uh, again, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I just, I just, just, it's a beautiful, beautiful film to see. Uh, right. The colors, uh, the and landscapes, again, everything. 
and again, visually, it carries on um, that high contrast, super saturated kind of. Yeah, just pushing everything uh, as about as far as it can go. It's uh, it does not hold back. <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, but the highlight, or maybe the climax of the movie for me—not really the climax, but I want. Yeah, no, it's got to be the highlight of the movie. Is the the break in, the the attempted breakout at the palace, um, with the with the truck, which I at first thought it was a truck bomb. Do you know what yes, I'm talking yes, about? Yes, yes. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> the, yeah. the reveal, the reveal of not only what's in that trunk, but the entrance of our hero yeah. is one of the most over-the-top things I have ever seen in my life. And they knew it, and they stretched it out in slow motion like nothing I've ever seen, which also reminded me as I was watching it, this is being the most expensive uh, Bollywood film in history, there's a lot of bells and whistles that a lot of people involved with this project may not have been able to ring before, particularly with CGI. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that they just, <laughs> everything <laughs> they ever wanted to do with CGI is in this movie. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. oh, wait, wait, wait. I haven't, I haven't impaled a man's arm on the horn of a stag and then had another man beat the hell out of him with his other arm. So let's do that. <laughs> Well, that was something that I I definitely felt watching it from the very beginning was Bollywood has kind of always been known for its excess and exaggeration, but they didn't quite have the whatever, the the, the money, uh, time or skills to pull it all off. And this is the kind of thing as an editor watching it, I kept thinking like this, this does not happen without an incredible amount of forethought and planning. Like I said, all those purpose-built shots have to uh, link perfectly together or what's already in danger of being complete nonsense will become complete nonsense. Like it has to, it all has to work together and they're trying to convince you of something pretty outlandish. So getting your mind to kind of follow the logic of those action sequences means very carefully designing each shot and editing it together at just the right flow. So this all somehow works. Right. Um, yeah. Especially, especially when you're combining the, the live action uh, with, with the CG it's, and, and you're doing something as, as, as um, specific as a fight sequence involving multiple people. It, yeah. It's uh, it was crazy. Man. Yeah. And, and, and also back to that, you know, the part where they're on the, the moment preceding the flaming train bridge set piece mm-hmm. uh, where they look at each other and say, um, you know, give each other that look like I got you. I know exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> right. Uh, similarly, at the very beginning, we have with the, an introduction of uh, the second guy um, uh, capturing the tiger. Right. And then, right. You know, it just shows him. He picks up the, the 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 sleeping tiger's head and says, "I am sorry, brother, but I'm using you for my own purposes." And then yeah. you forget about that yeah. for like two hours, right? Right. <laughs> so then, when that moment comes, you're like, "Oh, that's what they were doing out there in the jungle." <laughs> been- and again, yeah, 
Yeah, and again, also the, the the point the point of that entire huge second scene is oh, this guy is also really determined. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> I know, oh I know. man! But the true climax, the true climax of the movie. I mean that <laughs> the explosion. <laughs> My God! The, the begin, that, and that's just the beginning. Then when they blow up the armory yeah. with the motorcycle. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> it goes through the window and there is a room full of TNT. <laughs> and then you pan and then you go into another room and you're panning across and you're like, oh, there's mortars. Oh, there's large bombs. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's more TNT. <laughs> there's more. There's a, there's a giant uh, steamer trunk full of grenades. <laughs> yeah. And this is the first yeah. time that happens. Because where I can't remember what point in the movie it's when they when they first kind of find out the, the truth about each other, or you can call it the misunderstanding. Uh, maybe it's the tail end of the breakout. I don't remember, but it uh, one of them sets off a giant. Yeah, it's that one. I think they uh, where Raju is standing behind this giant cachet of fireworks that gets set off, and then the other guy who he's facing down is in front of the water fountain and he's grabbing that hose that's jetting out high pressure water. Yeah. So it's going to be between water and fire and he's got his hand. He's just, he's just covered in water. His water just pouring and jetting all around and these, these snaking uh, hoses just whip, whipping water over the place. And then behind him, there's a full blown behind Raju. There is a full blown fireworks display going off. <laughs> As they as they as they eye each other and get ready to like you know go mano y mano, <laughs> <laughs> which I have to say is a, that 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 water and fire uh, theme. I'm not sure how that plays into if that plays into at all into myth, Indian mythology or or to the stories of these two men. But but that is a theme that is completely consistent throughout the film and yeah. that they keep returning to in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I'll, you know, one more thing that I noticed that I, I, I got a big kick out of this watching it uh, uh, was the music, the mm. lyrics. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. How they <laughs> and again, this is probably this is a Bollywood convention. Um, but the way that the editor, the shots and the editing perfectly illustrates exactly what's going on in the lyrics of the background of the music. So there's the right. montage of them like becoming friends and then the lyrics are something like both are on a path shot of them walking down a path, uh, both looking at different uh, destinies shot of one looking in one direction, shot of the other guy looking the other direction, <laughs> both on a winding road and the shot yeah. of them on a motorcycle going down a winding road. <laughs> and yeah. every single word of the song is illustrated very, very literally. And it reminds me that the literalness is when you're kind of that slavish to the text, that is what gives you a um, liberates you from all this verisimilitude and logic and things that can slow you down and weigh you down. Like you, you, you and I've talked about, you know, the, how WWF is a works as a metaphor. Oh yeah. It's opera. Yeah. It's opera. Yeah. And this is, and this is opera. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, <clears throat> and then of course we have to talk about 
the very end, which in in from what I understand, typical Bollywood fashion, uh, it's a flourish. It, uh, they they bring the entire cast into a, a beautifully beautifully designed soundstage with huge set pieces reflecting the themes of the movie, and they and they have a dance number, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. why why do we do that? Because it looks and feels cool <laughs> to do it. Yeah, <laughs> for, for no other reason, you know. And it, it leaves you it leaves you walking out of the theater. I, I don't know. It just it's an extra, oomph, you know. Whereas here we have, you know, we have the those, you know. After we've gotten used to these after credit scenes that are maybe good for a tease or a or a chuckle, but this is a whole different thing. Yeah, we we, we more often end our big things on some kind of like suspenseful note or even some sort of smart ass remark. We don't we don't do a full on celebration, you know, at the end of what just happened. <laughs> And it is. It's like an after party. Uh, so much so, did you recognize one of the, the one of the guys in the very in that final dance number? Someone you didn't see anywhere else in the movie? No. There's about I, I four didn't. or five people. You recognize everybody: the two leads, and then the two women, uh, the the white girl, and the other uh, Roger's character's wife. Mm-hmm. There's this fifth dude in there. Uh, gray hair, gray beard. And oh I, yeah! Oh I, I yeah! Knew, I knew as soon as I saw him, I thought that's got to be the director. Uh, and it was. Ah, uh, ah, uh, that's great. Yeah, so the director <laughs> joins the party in the last like five minutes. As he should. As he should. As he should. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's all I really wanted to talk about as far as RRR. Did you have anything else, or do you have any? Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about for this episode? Not for this one. I think I think uh, Triple R deserves its own uh, deserves its own episode, and awesome. uh, we we can do another. You know, we we can get around to the other stuff some other time. Although, well, just for the sake of variety, okay. Uh, I think um, I was looking up some news items that mm-hmm. I thought would be funny to share. Oh, excellent! I love it when you do this. Okay, so this is from uh, oh, this is recent. This is August twenty. 20- Six. Uh, the, so the, even the headline um, sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon. White Python on the loose in Pennsylvania City. Now, <laughs> that is already kind of a fun headline, but it, underneath that, it gets a little weirder. Police in Pennsylvania City are warning the public to be on the lookout for a white python that escaped while out for a walk. <laughs> They're missing a very important a very important piece of information there. Yeah. And 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 so first first of all, I didn't know that you could take <clears throat> snakes out for walks. For one reason, they don't walk, but that's, you know, that's <laughs> technical. Um that escape while out for a slither. I don't know how to properly phrase that. Um, uh, the the Quesney Police Department said the python escaped from its owner during a walk around the neighborhood on Wednesday. <laughs> Neighbor Jason Jones said the owner had carried the snake outside to show it to him. It was white with bluish tint for eyes, Jones told WTATV. He had let me hold the snake... It's well taken care of, so it was really friendly. 
Family member said the snake named James. Sorry, I haven't read this. Family member said the snake named Gene Simmons. <laughs> oh, that's the best part of the story. I know, right? They buried it. Escaped when the owner collapsed while carrying the python around the neighborhood. Police said the snake is five to seven feet long, but family members of the owner said Gene is only about. Four feet long. <laughs> so the police, for some reason, added a few feet into the report. I don't know why. Uh, members of the public are being urged to call 911 if they encounter the white snake. That answers to Gene Simmons. <laughs> wow. If you're going to have a white snake. Yeah. You, would, you shouldn't name it Gene Simmons. You should name it uh, after the lead singer of White Snake, right? Right. That's what I would have done. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I agree. Um, and uh, since I'm here, I got one more. And right. uh, there's some audio of this. I may even I may even put some of this audio at the, at the end credits. Um, this is from, um, the headline is, Missouri pastor says congregation is, quote, poor, broke, and busted end quote, for not buying him a luxury Movado watch. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this is on TikTok. uh, And this is the quote uh, from the, this is from the video of the pastor whose name is Carlton Funderburk. And he has since apologized for all this. Uh, Maybe just things got away from him. Uh, But he said in the original clip, this is how I know you're still poor, broke, busted, and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John Knits. Y'all can't afford know-how. I ain't worth y'all's Louis Vuitton. I ain't worth your Prada. I'm not worth your Gucci. <laughs> and y'all know I asked for one last year. Here it is all the way in August, and I still ain't got it. <laughs> God. Oh man! I'll play. I'll play the audio later. And you can, it was funny is that in the audio you can hear people in the congregation, you know, like <laughs> sending him some amens and <laughs> affirmations. Oh, no. You know, like well, I can see why he thought he was in the right. I mean, everyone was. <laughs> and I think I think at one point Funderburg tells the congregation that a Movado watch can be bought at Sam's Club, <laughs> and, and someone in the audience is like, "That's right." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hope he gets his Movado watch. Oh, man. That's all I got. Well, well I was going to, you know, what I was going to throw in here is a request to our, our listeners. If, uh, if if you have any suggestions for great Bollywood movies that we might have missed, uh, why don't you write to us on social media and let us know what to check out? Because we would definitely appreciate that. We would. We would. And, I, and, and given that's a weak spot in my... Film education, I most certainly have missed it. All right. Well, until next time. (laughs) We've never used that as a sign-off before. I know. I just thought it just came to me. I invented invented it. You came up with that? (laughs) That's brilliant. Uh, Same bat time, same bat channel. All right. We will, we will, we will, we will catch you on the flip side. See, I just, 
and just did you just sign off with my yeah i just came up with that and oh my god you're signing off with my sign off we're good at this we should start a company (laughs) sign offs incorporated sign offs incorporated and then we sell our business plan sell our business plan i know you've had you and i've had lots of business plans that didn't we didn't really see through that were based on selling business plans of ideas that were never quite (laughs) developed but well we'll, we we should sell that plan there you have it sell the plan of selling business plans if anybody's interested i'm going to suggest 49.95 and <laughs> we will a, put a link on the website it's a subscription service everything is nowadays okay bye the well is produced edited and recorded by anson mount and me brandon edgens Theme music composed by Jonathan Myberg and performed by Brandon Edgens. Anson and I have been making this show for almost four years now, and I would like to take this opportunity to both thank you for listening and to remind you that neither of us have ever received a Movado watch. I even found out that Movado, you can buy a Movado watch in Sam's. And y'all know I asked for one last year. Here it is the whole way in August. I still ain't got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters.